cliffcentral.com. Hey, you're with the Futurology Show. Sometimes things repeat themselves. But uh, the future, are we going to explore it here on the uh, Futurology Show? You've got Brett Lindsay in studio, the digital philosopher. And for the first time in a month, we have the whole team here. So we have... Turn me on, Brett. There, there you are. Go. Sorry, new studio. New we're back. Studio. We're back in. We're back in the Cliff Central studio, which is fantastic to be back. <laughs> oh, I thought we'd always been in the Cliff Central. Oh, haven't studio. you? Oh, welcome, welcome, Mike. <laughs> 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 yeah. It doesn't feel like you're on either, Mike. But yeah, so Brett Sinclair, BS, uh, digital disruptor from Africa, from Schools South Rocked. Bro. South Rock from Branston, doll. <laughs> <laughs> As long as we're having fun, hey? <laughs> yes. It's going to be a long show by the looks of it, has it? It's Michael Kahn here, Digital Renegade. And uh, I'm looking forward to the show because we've got a lot to talk about. Um, it's it's a slightly different show. It's We're talking about the whole new world of media. Uh, and I'm getting head signals here, guys. We're getting our, 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 our setup here working properly. Uh, there we go. Is Brett, that better? Brett Sinclair can't hear you. No, he, ca- oh, he can't hear me. No. I don't know whether that's voluntary <laughs> or uh, he's just... No, he better speak to his wife because clearly he's not enough happening. Only when you go over deaf. You know, and this is so why it's well. been a month since we've been in the studio together. It's probably yeah. nice. All of our listeners are like, thank goodness there was a month break. Where like, we're all yeah. But are we all rested? No, are you telling me we haven't been in the studio for a month because our wives have kept us apart? <laughs> Something like that, yeah. There was some sort of strategy behind it. And I think that's yeah. important. Like, There's always strategy in the content, isn't there? <laughs> always. There yes, always yes, yes. is. There's always a plan. There always is. But it's not just the three of us in the studio. No. Mm. It's no. nice to all be back. The family is back together. The mm. Futurology family. Hugs. Yes. In studio, we have Mr. Wayne Bishop with us as well. Thanks for joining us, Wayne. Thank you. Sounds good. Excellent. Well, I'm I'm really excited about this. I mean, Wayne, you and I have worked for a long time together and... uh, um and that means a very long time. It, it does, actually. Yeah. Especially, especially in the Wayne's industry. actually 22. But, yeah. <laughs> I, I look 48. Yeah. Yeah. That's but, what media will do to you. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm 18 with a 12-year-old son, but let's not go there. But anyway, so, so, so yeah. But we're talking about the future of media, and I, I think this is a big topic. I mean, Brett, you and I were discussing earlier, and I think almost the, 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 this, this is such a broad topic and, and what we can be talking about in terms of the future of media. Um, so Wayne, uh, PhD managing director in Johannesburg, um, running a very interesting business model and, and some doing some amazing stuff. So uh, it's really a privilege to have you in the studio here. Um, cause whenever I think media, I think of, of Wayne Bishop. And if there's oh, ever thanks. one person I go to speak to, it's Wayne Bishop. Um, cool. and I think, I think he actually means that. No, I do actually. Yeah, you're always see. talking about Wayne when you talk media. It's so yeah. true. No, because oh, thank it, you. Oh, you. I appreciate you, it. You, but you know what, Wayne? And I mean, we'll go into your background a bit. You, you, you're one of the few guys who really gets this integration and this merge between traditional and digital. And, and I spent a bit of time at a media agency, and a big part of my, my job description was to really integrate traditional and digital media. And it, it was an incredibly difficult process because most people didn't really understand that, didn't want to understand it as a whole new way of doing things. Well, that's the thing. Most yeah. most people don't want – they don't have the intent. They don't want to understand no. it. That's the big issue I find. No. But in terms of your background, Wayne, because you, you're currently MD of, of PhD Media here in Johannesburg. Yep. But before that, you, you spent some time at uh, uh, MEC working I was I was actually – so Nota Bene was a really right. cool, mm. really cool agency when it started uh, uh, in 1998. Um, worked there a little bit and then and then uh, moved over to Australia to join yes. the, the two Nota Bene founders. And uh, they were working for MEC. MEC had bought Nota Bene a few years before. And so I went to join them, and that, that opened my eyes. I mean – Australia at that time had a about sixty percent um, just Apple smartphone penetration yeah. in the market, you know, like a seventy or eighty percent 
uh, smartphone penetration. So then you got to learn like everything in yeah. one go. You almost shortcut your career so nicely. You just get all of that learning. So that was really cool for me. So, so when I came back, I had lots, that's lots shortcut in a good way. It's not like <laughs> <laughs> not not the traditional shortcut, <laughs> not you know, traditional not the car sale, <laughs> the, the car dealer. Yeah, yeah. But, but but just you know, in terms of the actual show that we're going through, uh, we've we've broken it down into three key areas. Really, the big picture. So just to give some con- context around this, but also the second part is around the world of uh, accountability because things have changed quite dramatically. And I mean, I remember as a as a traditional brand manager. Um, way back in the years, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in fact, Michelle Myers used to work on, on our account. We yep. were still media by storm then. And, um, it was a very different world. It was like throwing mud against the wall and, and hoping something would stick. But, but things have changed and, and people have changed around how they make buying decisions. But also what has changed is the world of accountability in media. And, and, and I think there's some very interesting discussions to have around that, especially what is hap- with what is happening in the world today. Mm. What do you mean by that, Mark? The accountability, just for our users' point, well, for our listeners' point of view. Well, it's really, Who's accountable to who? Yeah. Well, yeah. It, it is that, but it's, it's not only that, it's, it's the return on your investment. You, you know, the, the old okay. saying is, you know, half, you know, we, we spend so much, half of it's going to work. We just don't know what half is going to work. We, oh, we so it's the spend of the clients, spending it in the media game and making sure they're getting bang for the buck. Yeah, but also buying what you what you said you'd buy. Yes. Uh, you see, so a lot of it is, I mean, uh, procurement teams became very, very important um, from the late 90s. Yes. You know, yes, it was all about pricing and, and all of that and getting the agencies to sort of cut their margins a little bit because they were massively inflated. Mm. But off the back of that, you had the recession in 2008 and and then what happens is suddenly you had a whole bunch of ex accountants as as heads of as CEOs of massive companies. Of course, the accounting team and the um, the, the 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 history of the recession and the procurement teams all in place. Suddenly everyone started looking at everyone from an accountability lens, saying, you know, has the stuff actually worked? What is my ROI? And all the agencies had to start thinking like that as well. Yeah, well, that, that, that comes back to the first point, and I'll come back to it. But really, the last point that we'll look into is really what is the future? Because yeah. there's, there's this massive demand for attention, and this is really what we're competing for is people's attentions at the end of the day. And how do we actually engage on those attentions? So if you have just joined us and you're a bit late for the show, we are the Futurology Show. We're talking the future of media. We have the full Futurology team back in studio, and we've got Mr. Wayne Bishop joining us as a guest from PhD Media. And we're talking about the future of media, but now we can't really talk about the future if we don't actually look back at what the mm. perspective was. Like the traditional old days of television, broadcast, radio, print, how it all worked. And it, it definitely worked separate to each other sometimes. There was, you needed strong strategy to make it work together. Today it all seems to happen at the same time. And sometimes you get it right and sometimes you don't. But it's through companies like PhD Media and other media strat- strategists and buyers that make it work well today. But if you don't mind, let's let's look back yeah, and see how did it used to look. What was it? What was the way it, it worked? Because a lot of listeners might not even realize that there was that yeah. level of intent in the in the heydays. I mean, it was your good old fashioned newspaper advert. Yeah. That that was what you full what, page spread, baby. Sunday full page, time. Yeah. Full two page colors spread or DPS or whatever it was. I mean, <laughs> newspapers were just the the bread and butter of. Of any media house. And then, of course, with the advent of, of, of TV, suddenly your 30-second ad, your spot became you know, the be-all and end-all. And, and I think most campaigns in the 50s and 60s were made or broken on on the strength of their TV ad or their or their print ad. Yeah. Um, radio was always part of it, but it it's not like in the rest of the world it's got quite a low penetration. In South Africa, it's sitting at 97%. Mm. Um, 
and that's just because of the reach into the the lower income areas but but it was interesting i think a lot of your ideas really hinged on visual communication you couldn't do anything without that so you know you would start looking very carefully at ambassadors and celebrity endorsers because it was visual mm-hmm. um you could say whatever you wanted really there wasn't much uh, regulation in place um and and it was really just about the hard sell uh, and building brands and very you think interesting about those brands right um hoover yeah, you know Nothing the vacuum cleaner, like a Hoover, like a Hoover yeah. right? <laughs> the brands established such dominant positions by really understanding how to use those media plays that they became the product themselves. Mm. And it I doesn't feel like that's the case these days, yeah. right? It's a very, very competitive market. It used to be brand of a brain. You used to like this brainwashing of brands. Yeah. Like this is what you need to do if you're going to buy a vacuum cleaner. It's a Hoover, obviously. Obviously, yeah. but today we're a lot more. It discerning. could also be a Dyson. Well, do you remember? Ta- <laughs> do you remember tobacco advertising used yeah. to say, you know, eight out of ni- well, eight out of ten doctors say smoking is healthy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like well, they, was, they used to advertise cocaine. Yeah, well, <laughs> as being good for your children. Well, there you go. So, I mean, you had it was really a different world there, but it hinged on the two media. It, it basically came down to media choice. Yeah. Now it's not about media choice; it's about how the media interacts with each other. That develops some kind of recall and, and attention off the you know off the back of the campaign. Yeah, it's can, a lot harder. Can, can I jump into that because I think there's an important shift that that has happened. I mean, when we're talking in the world of the 50s and 60s, um, supply uh, was a lot less than demand, so it was a lot easier to to actually do that kind of product marketing. And when we look at say, for example, Coke Red or Ferrari Red as a color. The, 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 the way of creating a habit is through repetition and association. It was, it was very easy. Yet today, the, the supply well exceeds demand. Hmm. So from, from an economics perspective, from a business perspective, the, not only have our consumers changed, but our, our, our models have changed around how we do business. Well, um, that's, that's half the problem actually with the ad industry in, in totalities. We're still talking about agency commission models. Yeah, I was going to ask. That, that was one of my next questions. And that just doesn't work in today's – you know, the, the procurement teams of the 90s are so open to that. And they're just going to squeeze you from your 16 and yeah. a half down to your 2%. And you must be happy with that. And, you know, a lot of companies will go after – uh, business buying market share by saying, well, we did it at 1%. And that just screws everything up. You don't have the right talent. You don't have the right expertise. Yeah. You can't train. You don't have money. I think the volume of work must be massive because you're committing to huge budgets to get down to that mm-hmm. 1%. Correct. So, it's so a, how are you going to commit on the quality and tying it all together? I, I can't see it making it so I think a, working. I think yeah. a lot of what procurement teams did is they actually moved people out of a um, a high-margin, low-volume business into a high-volume, low-margin business. And you know, our business is 90% staff. It's people. Yeah. yeah. Now you just, that just means you overload them. Mm. So when we talk about AI a little bit later, that, you know, there's a way of getting, of, of sustaining a high volume, low margin business as long as you've got AI, you know, doing the, the, the heavy lifting. But at the moment, we're so reliant on people and they're just not happy. So yeah. it, the models are all completely broken. Yeah. People are tired. Now, if I might just jump in there from a production perspective, uh, back in the day making TV commercials, there used to be this idea of 60% for production, 40% for distribution, getting out there. And that would sometimes waver backwards and forwards depending on what side of the pendulum you were on. You got some benefit and budget. Today, making content's cheaper. Distributing is wildly e- effective. Um, yeah. sometimes to the detriment if you get it wrong. Hmm. Um, but surely a lot of the psychology, not just in procurement of strategy and how you get it placed, but also where you're spending on what? 
Yeah. I haven't asked a question. I never do that. It's literally just a thought. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> great thought. Yeah, cool. Look, I mean, so now production can be, you know, less than 10% of a media buy. Yeah. You actually, uh, your number one job as a media planner or strategist is to put that content in front of the right person at the right time. It's still, you know, the theory was the same back then. Now we can just measure it. Yes. Um, but you're right. Content is, uh, you know, I often ask the question, is there enough content in the world? The answer is yes. But then you ask the question, is there enough good content yeah. in the world? You say, well, actually, yes, there is. So, you know, what are you going to do to be, to stand out and be more effective? We'll give it to someone who can distribute that content yeah. better. Is, isn't a more important question, is there enough relevant content? Yeah. Well, so, mm. so relevance will come from, you know, the, the data and the insights and the target audience. And yeah. if you've got a, a creative or production team smart enough to use those in the messaging and the content, but really your media agency makes or breaks that content in many yeah, instances. It does. Uh, you know, most, um, most, uh, content has a viral effect less than one, which means that if you seed it to one person, you, it won't get passed on. You know, you, you seed it to 10 people and it'll get passed on once. And yeah. so you, what you have to do is make your seeding group bigger. As big as possible, and that's what the media agency should be doing really, really well. That's a fascinating thought. So people become the distribution channel. Yeah, people um, well, they become the filter as well. I like the direction where this is going when we take it into the future, by the way. So yes. we, we must hold that point. I just want to expand a bit more on the data side. So I'm coming from the client side of things, and I think the agency does a great work in strategizing. The media agency does a great work in placing and tracking the data. But it still feels like there's this missing link between linking up the client-side data to the campaign data to what you actually went out to achieve and in continuously evolving that. Oh, not know? anymore. Hey. You know? um, so our network purchased a, a company called Analect, which are a, a they're data specialists. They write algorithms to help us understand it because there's so much. And uh, we've produced DMPs, data management um uh, programs and effectively, what we do is we take the first party data, third party data, second party data. We merge it all together, and we get two things: we get insights out of it on the one side that informs your your strategy, and then on the other side you get activation. Yes. So you can change your search strategy right then and there because your data has told you this from the DMP. Yeah, and and DMPs are just all around the world. That's what. That's what everyone's talking about. So, what's first, second, and third party data? Just uh, so, first party data is anything that you that you own. Yep. Second party is generally from the um, from the client, so it's their sales data, their internal data, and then of course the third party data is the is the media owner's data. So, broadly in those three mm. categories. Now, the the algorithm will help you understand it all because yeah. there's so much data you you can't sift through that you know on your no. own. Um, and so what, what happens is you just keep refreshing and rewriting your algorithms and it keeps helping you understand the data better. And then it just, like I said, gives you two things, insights and activation. Um, and that helps you respond in real time. I know, you know, it's a big yeah. part of today's discussion as well. So, so, yes. Yeah. I, I'm just thinking about the role, right? You've got your media strategists and buyers who essentially are can become data scientists too? So I was going to mention that. I mean, yeah. I think we're the first agency that we have an employed a data scientist and a, a, a data science an analyst in our business. We do full econometric modeling now. So a client can come to us and say, listen, I need to sell this car. So, well, how much money have you got? They say, I got a million. I say, cool, I can sell you 20 cars. And they go, gee, how do you know that? So, yeah. well, he has 3,000 econometric, uh, cases. Um, 
here's your media mix, which you've already got. And so for a million rand, I'll get you that. And it'll be one or two percent yeah. out. Yeah. But if you've got two and a half million rand, I can sell you double the amount of cars or triple maybe. And I mean, that's a CEO's dream, right? It is. It, it is. is. Well, I mean, it's mitigate what, the expense. Yeah. So yeah. the conversations we're having now are not so much with media managers. You know, media managers still want to make you get the best discount. Yeah. But CEOs want to grow their business. So I'm, I'm suddenly What's having… What's one or 2% discount when you can sell correct. double? It's a surprisingly novel thought process. Yeah. So, so Wayne, in terms of the agency of the future, yeah. how, what do you see the media agency? What is your vision of, of a media agency going into the future? So I think that media agencies are really worried about the Accentures of the world and yeah. the um, Deloitte's of the world. They're really worried because they're starting to buy up design agencies and um, tech firms and um, and even just toying with, with one or two media agencies, particularly in yeah. the digital space. But I, I think that all the media agencies are sitting back really worried about this takeover by the Accentures of the world. And we've gone the other way around. We've said, no way, we're going to take their jobs yeah. and their business because we, we understand consumers. They just understand models and processes and things like that. So the future media agency is going to be um, – it's going to have a layer of – uh, what you call the programmatic farm, yes. let's say, which is going to be about you're going to automate as many distribution processes as possible. So, I mean, distribution of content. And then you're going to have a very cream of the crop senior layer, which we call the consulting layer. Mm. We're going to get access to Xcos and uh, board chair people and, um, and CEOs, and we're going to sit in rooms with them and advise them on business strategy. Because we get data and consumers, yeah. we know that really, really well. So the future for us is yeah, a layer of tech and automation and all of that in, in terms of distribution, um, probably with lots of technology in there, and a layer of consulting. And that's where the real money will be made. That's awesome. I mean, Brett Sinclair, you've been sort of chatting about this on social media through a number of years where digital shouldn't just be like the side part of your business. It's got to be the focus of your business. And I mean… It's great to hear that media buyers are actually jumping on. Like, it's all about the analytics. It's not just about getting them. Now yeah. that I know them, how do I interpret them? What do I do with them? And you've seen this, I mean, a lot with the clients. There's, there's so much, they don't know what they don't know, or they think they know what they know. But then it's about showing them the success that they can have with things that they hadn't even allowed themselves to think about. Yeah. Um, and social media, it's social media, YouTube, TV to some extent as well, but it's all happening at the same time. If you don't have a good strategy behind it, it's toothpaste out the tube, and there's no getting it back in if you haven't planned it first. Most um, most creative uh, Colgate Colgate, yeah, sorry, sponsor <laughs> brand, thanks. <laughs> yeah, Mo most uh, most creative agencies think that media agencies are going to start producing content, and I've always said, you know, what is the difference between a creative agency and a and a media agency? It's simple. Creative agencies create content, and media agencies distribute that content. Um, and I, and I think that, uh, that if we start going into a consult, uh, consulting model, because of our experience in distribution of content, we can help them distribute any content. Is it a utility? Is it a, yeah. a, a legal notice? Is it, um, maybe you want to get certain people up traded on a, uh, from one bank account to the next. Because you get distribution, you're going to be a lot better at business models because business models are based on distribution. People have to sell stuff. Uh, and that's, and I think that's a, a lot 
more important for a CEO? Of course. I would love to see you guys sitting with my product teams as we're trying to understand customer problems. Yeah. And we're running it through some distribution at scale, mm. really understanding what those problems are and then trying to get these minimal viable products into the market and getting feedback right away mm. and turning and changing the product on the fly based on what my media strategy well, is doing. Well, well, that well, would be boom. Brett, you know, for me, it's a no-brainer because I've, I've, I've seen Wayne's models. And, yeah. and they actually are mind blowing. And this, this is a bit like you've seen them naked. When <laughs> you said actually, that, you're I, kind of a half wet. I, 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 I am. I really am. Um, He's actually currently wah, sporting wah, wah. a semi. <laughs> yeah. Geez. It's like being half pregnant. You know, you're, you're not wet, Brick. Yeah. So, but, but I mean, th- this is really where the strategy is. And if, if we look at the media agencies globally, certainly in the UK, they're, they're, they're at the top of the food pile. As opposed to the bottom of the food pile, it's the opposite here. But it's the understanding of the consumer and, and the data and the ability to segment and psychographically understand those consumers defines that strategy. And there's too much planning around distribution before that strategy is worked out. So you're right. I mean, Unilever were the first to break ranks in the world. They actually now brief uh, the media agency first. Um, and then the media agency comes back with a framework, which is mm-hmm. very, very well informed by data and and lots of the consumer stuff, um, and, and econometric modeling normally as well. And then after that framework has been built, it gets briefed out to your implementation teams in creative, production, PR, social, digital, whatever it is. And so it's it's put the media agency um, right up close at the at the dinner table, and that's quite quite powerful. And I think Unilever are getting a lot of uh, you know really great feedback and and great successes off the back of that. Hmm. That's that's awesome. I mean, it's very much like the design thing that we've been talking about um, mm. today. There's, there's a lot of clients saying they're worrying so much about how they're going to get something done that they forget to ask what are we actually trying to achieve. Mm. Um, and it's it's really nice. It's great to ask why. It's great to ask how. But it's really important to say, well, let's define the objective. Let's define the achievement. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, uh, look. There's notoriously bad briefs that exist all over the place, but copy I, paste. Uh, <laughs> well, we yes. did it. We, we did Change it in the days. past, so why can't it work again? <laughs> yeah. yeah, copy paste. I know, and and that's it. And I think uh, so. Mm. We like working with with CEOs or business leaders that are visionaries that are mm. saying, "No, listen, I don't want to sell shoes. I want to sell shoes that connect to your phone." Why do you want to do that? Well, because I want to see how healthy people can be. Oh, okay, great. That's a whole new vision. So we love working with clients like that because then it. It challenges you, um, and and also it's a different model. It's not, you know, we're now tying up partnerships for you um, with other retailers and and other brands. We're not uh, we're not buying space for you. Yeah, it's a whole it's a whole different world, man. It's mm. exciting and it puts us in that consulting space. Yeah. yeah, it's about leveraging. It's about leveraging. If brands are doing something almost synonymous with 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 an area of demographic that needs something, you can leverage a toothpaste brand with a shoe. A shoe. If yep. if there's some sort of link that exists there, let's let's work this together, and it works well in social spaces and and viral content. So the, yeah. the interesting thing you said, demographic there. Um, we're finding demographics still play a bit of a role because media buys in that way. Where's where's yeah? Well, mm. LSMs are, are gone now, which is great. Thank God. Uh, but but it's still age and and. Um, well, generally age and gender and, and regionality and all of that. But we're starting to go into behavior. We want yes. to measure behavior, and that's how your segments are going to be in the future. Absolutely. Because if you think about how much data exists on your behavior, you would be able to segment your market on that. You would say, here is a passive viewer. Here is an active sharer. Here is a real advocate, right? 
Yeah, uh, and uh, what about where the Australians flipped out? And here's an emotional customer that, oh, yeah. who's excited or not so excited. Or I can't give me a bit of detail. I just read a little snippet about that where they're freaked out about the data that Facebook has based uh, on right. the uh, youth. They were exploiting the youth. That's, that's right. right. Yeah, because yeah. the youth are notoriously emotional. Uh, you know, and not as confident in Facebook exploiting them. Yeah, I remember the article. <laughs> yeah. Terrible. <laughs> it, it, terrible. It, it, it raises a very deep yeah. concern on, on this. And I mean, it, I mean, let's jump onto the world of, of, of uh, you know, accountability. Because, mm. I mean, that's, that's very bad behavior from Facebook. I mean, I, I like to think of Facebook as primeval, but. Uh, no, listen, they, I, I tell you, Facebook and Google have got big problems with, yeah. particularly now, a lot of the PR around fraud um, and brand safety. Uh, so because they can't control the content that's shared and posted on their platforms, they really battle with making, you know, they, they can't, you know, ISIS post a video on YouTube and then suddenly your brand is, is actually seen to be indirectly mm. funding terrorism. It's so difficult. Um, and I think a, a couple of brands were caught out recently that way. Yeah. And to be honest, both Facebook and Google have not had adequate responses to it. Yes, they'll talk to you about um, buying their premium packs. Um, which is the top which five. Which is curated content. Well, it's the, the day, top so. 5% of content. It's like primetime yeah. video for YouTube. But, but the problem is that they haven't really addressed the problem here. The problem should be mm. they need a way of being able to analyze that video at scale. Now, um, AI can do that, but yep. AI is still in its infancy at the moment. So if, if Google and Facebook are smart, they would say, look, we are investing tons and tons of money now to try and get, um, Algorithms and, and AI uh, models to measure what is in that actual ad, what visuals are. Yeah. And if anything pops up, it will flag it and then there will be a human intervention saying, yes, it's safe or no, it's not. Now that they, they should have something like that on that. They should have a policy document or a future document I, I, and I, they I, haven't brought it up. I, I can tell you now they've got the solution because if we look at Google, it's just one AI machine. So every time yeah, you put a search query and that, that's what it's producing. So I have absolutely no doubt that they, they, they've got that functionality and that capability right now. I think it's a priority, but, right? It, well, well, it's no, 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 it's not a priority. It's cash. Because if we look at Facebook and Google, there, there's another article that I read and shared that the two of them combined generate a hundred million, hundred billion dollars profit. Per yeah. annum. They're, they're now the biggest, they're, they're, I think it's 25% of the one advertising. Fifth, one fifth. Is it one fifth? All the advertising spend globally. Globally. It's run by those two businesses. It's run by those two businesses. Well, here's mm. your problem is you've got pretty much the top five media networks, top five media buyers yeah. of space have now paused all their activity on Facebook and YouTube until they come so back. slanted. Well, mm. and, until they come back on an adequate brand safety response. So, one thing a little bit closer to home, not quite as drastic as maybe an ISIS video, but um, Ford Cougars exploding and burning into flames. Now, I'm going to film my car burning on the side of the highway. I just think it's, A, it's cool. It's probably something worth sharing. I just hope you're outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, try, I'll do my best <laughs> oh to my get God, out of it. it's burning. Wait, I'm sitting here still. But now, as a media strategist or something, like real life happens. As, you can plan as much as you want, but real life happens with the with this amazing – I'm going off script a little bit, but – this amazing wealth of content being provided into the spaces. How, what do you think Ford maybe could have done? I don't want to put you on the spot, but what do you think Ford oh. maybe could have done in order to spin that a little bit better? Straight away. First of all, you don't spin. You come out and you address it. Truth and you is say, better I'm than clever. Sorry, yes. Mm. So the, the CEO should have been, or the marketing director should have been on radio yeah. and, yeah. and should have been saying, I'm, re- we are really sorry about this. It's something that happened. We didn't know it was going to happen. Yeah. All of our tests said it wouldn't happen. 
and and you do that. You say sorry. Then you come up with your action plan to to fix the fault, which is what they sort of ran parallel while they tried to say it's not yeah. the fault. Um, <laughs> But the we first kind thing, of maybe sort of have we, we are stupid consumers. Yeah, yeah. A how-to video of how to get out. The first thing you do is you phone your media agency and say, pause all my advertising. Because what happened? They were running a red-hot deal special that month. Uh, no. And that just created more emotions. <laughs> <laughs> so that is strategy gone wrong then. And it's yeah. about it's about understanding the climate or the no, context. No, that's not a strategy gone wrong. That's just stupidity, man. <laughs> no, no, seriously. <laughs> pick up the phone. You know, you've got, you got a red-hot special. Just... Stop, so guys. Let's fix the problem. Stop all advertising. It's stupidity. What they should have done. No, but yeah. you've got a discount on that slot. Come on. You can't just so, stop that so, bad slot. Pull off yeah. the – So dev, devil's advocate over here. Here's what happens. You spend a lot of money. So, so there are some brands that are spending a lot of money on, on media strategy. So they say, cool, we're going to go with this Red Hot special, third quarter or second quarter of the year, and it's going to be amazing because we've got Blue Sky, and then we're going to go Red Hot. Sorry, Ford. We're bashing you, but, but take some notes. Um, <laughs> so what – what happens then is you've spent all that money with that strategy. It's in place. It's a three-month-ahead-of-time strategy. You've got all your deals with all your dealers set up. It's hard to – now, there's that ROI that you're chasing the whole time, and it's about being contextually aware of what's really happening in the real world. So what often happens, what feels like it happens, is you get brands building content based on strategy in parallel to the real world and not actually giving a shit or not paying attention to the real world. Mm. So – You've got to sort of just admit fault. I think it's like you say, truth is better than clever. Yeah, but perhaps. but every every brand that runs product and retail advertising has also got generic brand advertising. True story. So you know, okay, we've got ten million booked this quarter. Just swap it out for the generic stuff. Get the agency to retouch and redo. Um, you know, or and, and then do your PR mm. rep- reputation management because at least you're still salient. Or well, use use the space to do PR. Yeah, yeah, in, in yeah. fact, I mean, so we, we had something, uh, with a financial services client. You know, Jacob Zoom had just done the reshuffle and we had an outline of his, of his head as the edu- as the, um, as the visual of a print ad. A shower. No shower on this <laughs> one. Um, but it was, it well, was, was the head empty or full? No, it was, it was full of a lot of stuff, but, but effectively we were saying, do you know what? I mean, if, if you're in, if you're in retail, you're in cabinet reshuffles or yes. if you're in property, you're in cabinet. It reshuffles. affects everyone. The financial services brand, Stan Lib, was saying this affects you. So, yeah. you know, yeah. join us because we know how it will affect your investments and really, really great. But there was one or two worries that this would create a bit of a, an issue. Um, in the market, people would say, "No, well, you, you can't, you can't do that." And and so we were asked to pull the ad on a Sunday night, um, and and it was going, it was actually being printed as as we as we were speaking. We said, "Look, we we can't. It's it's gone out. It's in the trucks already being distributed." But let's have a reputation crisis management meeting first thing on Monday before before mm. the the papers actually before hit, the shit hits the store and the shops open and all of that. Yeah. yeah. And so we were prepared and we had a couple of things that we could, we could talk about and we had our statements ready and we knew. So that kind of, that's kind of what you do. Reputation mm. management, you just be prepared for the worst. You, you know, it's going to happen. Stop your advertising, do your crisis meeting and, and then do the right thing. So what's happening as media moves further into the future is that we're getting, the timelines are getting shorter because you need to be really reactive to what's happening now rather than you can't rely on the three month strategy. All the time. It's as nice as it is to have those. With social media being as rife as it is, you need to be able to react today, tomorrow, next hour. Um, but it's also gone from that spray and pray approach of the old days. We're like, let's stick up a, a billboard for a month 
on the N1 highway. Let's let's hope that 10% of the people driving past actually pay attention and do something. Um, it's more laser-focused now. So we, we have analytics on the demographic. So we can say, let's go get a 35-year-old male looking to buy a house that drives a maybe a Ford. And let's help him understand what fireplace goes into his house. Yeah. It isn't his Ford. And, and, you know, let's, but let's, let's help him, let's help him understand this. It's a fireplace that's activated by your cougar key. Just like your car. <laughs> now they could never have seen this coming. That's the thing. So. No, they couldn't. So, you know what, um, yeah, I mean, you know what the thing is, uh, we, we, we sometimes call it micro moments or, um, yeah. uh, media moments or something like that. Yeah. Uh, it's affected um, us quite, quite uh, as, as an agency in our strategies. We call it consumer moments planning or connections planning, uh, where we actually analyze those micro moments. And, and you know, we handle VW, which is a which is a fantastic brand, and it's been very successful in yeah. South Africa. And um, you know, VW, we we have a saying on some of our performance meter that we fight for every sale every day, and that's exactly what all this data and micro targeting's enabled us to do. So we're very smart about, you know, we actually see a review video gets you onto our request a test drive form quite quite quickly, an independent yeah. review video of the new vehicle. Because they'll probably review that as well. Yeah, so then they'll go on, but then they don't, they don't fill it out. They drop off. Then you pick them up somewhere else and you say there's a really good retail offer. Then they're back on the form and now they're actually filling it out. Then they drive the car and they, they like it and they evaluate it and they have the call centers phone them and ask them about the car and they like it and now they haven't come back again. So you hit them again with maybe a revised financed offer that's a bit sweeter. Suddenly you got the sale. Now those are micro moments, all yeah. of those. I love that. And you, you know, we're doing it now with Amarok. Amarok <coughs> V6 has just mm. launched. Um, the teaser's out now. It's just launched. And, and already the acquisitions are coming in mm. and, you know, a nice trick is you make your, you expand your cookie base, you make it as big as possible. So you, you frequency cap at one. Your cookie base is as big as possible. Yeah. You collect all those cookies and then over the campaign period, you just mine them for those different micro moments. And, uh, the clicks, the, 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 the searches, every, all the KPIs track really, really nicely because you've, you, you're putting relevance in front of this audience. You understand in the moment they're in. I think and that frequency rate's really important at one, yeah. right? I think yeah. Zando taught us a lesson on remarketing. Yeah, absolutely. Could, you know, do you want to buy these shoes? Do you want to yeah. buy these shoes? Do you want to buy these shoes? Do you want to buy, buy these shoes? shoes? Do you want to buy these and shoes? Yeah. And that's why places yeah. like Google and that are, are doing things like the web spam team, where they're actually going out there and making sure that you're not getting beaten over the head with unnecessary or repetitive uh, advertising. Well, I think, I think it's a bit more fundamental. What you're saying there is, is you're running very smart strategies that's making Google honest. No. Yeah, you, you know, without Google having to, because the problem with Google, they judge and jury. Same with Facebook, it's oh, very easy to. It's say, hard to regulate the biggest. No, you, you you can't regulate yourself. You cannot self-regulate. I mean, Jacob Zuma is a perfect example of that. <laughs> <laughs> but but, but you, you know, you you can't self-regulate. No um, one can regulate him. <laughs> no, but uh, j- just on that, uh, the the performance around programmatic buying. I remember having a conversation with you when we were talking about programmatic buying, even looking at TV. How, how far is programmatic buying and, and is it a real value option when we look at this, this, these micro moments? Cause that's where the value yeah. comes in. Cause it's a speed that gets you there. I mean, in effect, all that programmatic buying is doing is just doing the heavy lifting for you. It's been, a, it's been able to analyze, you know, millions of options and, and just going after the, the right one at the right time. Um, the problem is it became, it become a buzzword. And yeah. 
everyone just thinks programmatic is the way to go and it's bullshit. You've got to have a you've got to have all your media working together, your mm-hmm. video media yeah. which some of it may or may not be programmatically purchased. Um so your leads absolutely if you're doing lead gen campaigns, you know, try try the programmatic or the performance route but mm. you know, I've seen clients just say well we we disinvesting in everything and we're putting 100% into programmatic. Like guys, you, <laughs> you can't. You've still got to and yeah. Google actually because they've they're they're now doing attribution modeling with Nielsen. Okay. And that's one thing that Google can do right is they can get third-party researchers and partners involved helping the industry understand how their yeah. stuff works and helping they, them themselves. They, 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 do, they do that very well. And Nielsen proved that, you know, your your GDN bars that have like terrible click-through rates, they actually enhance your your clicks when you click into DBM, your, your programmatic yeah. Google, and your, and your retargeting. Your GDN has an awareness effect on because it's, it's the reach is massive, right? The reach is massive. Yeah, the, pro- the problem though is half that reach is fraudulent. Yeah, half. Yeah, you're right. No, I mean, in fact, it's probably higher than half. I mean, if we're really honest. So you, you're absolutely right. In fact, so, so, sorry, Mister X Google. Do you mean <laughs> fake news? No, no, no. Or fake clicks? No, they're fake clicks. clicks. Yeah, fake clicks. Yeah. yeah, there's a big issue. You yeah. want humans with intent? Yeah. You want humans, but with first. intent. No, with intent. But but here's the thing as well. Um, is you that it's actually reflected that. That sort of false clicks in that are reflected in their pricing now. Their pricing okay. has come right down, so they're aware that it's not perfect, and so I think they've they've reflected it in their pricing. But but anyway, I think that's one way that Google can really really help itself is get get a third party involved. Yeah. Um. If if I look at like Ad Colony is a great example. You know they they their brand safety is great. Um. They, because it's all in app, there's a lot of restrictions and, and processes you have to get through to get apps launched and things like that. So their video is, is already passing all those tests and then the publisher's already passing those tests. Then they also deal with Moat Analytics, Nielsen, IAB, Effective Measure. They've got all these third parties signed up and helping them manage their inventory and showing what's effective and, and what's recall. So Ad Colony, a much smaller player in the game, mm. doing a way better job than what you'd expect from a Facebook and Google. Yeah. yeah. Can, so, can, sorry, Brett. Can we no can problem. we jump ahead here? Because I really want we to do look need at to. the future. Yeah. Because we, otherwise we're going to run out of time. This yeah. So we got twenty minutes left in the show. Yeah. We were going to jump to the future. I just wanted to make one comment before we do that, and it's, it'll play into it. But as a media strategist and media buying, you're doing a lot of if this then that thinking. So you've kind of got three possible scenarios for any outcome. Real time? Is that true or not? Are you guys firing that? No way. We, we've got, uh, like I said, we've got over 3,000 econometric cases now. So we can almost say this media mix will give you this ROI. Give so it, give focused, it intentional. Yeah. And then, and then literally we've got, because we also do Facebook, Google, Twitter, Instagram, we've got our own DSP. Everything's in house at PhD. Yeah. yeah. We've also got now an 18 month history of, of all of those campaigns. So, our data is giving us the right benchmarks. So we're yeah. actually almost certain when we go forward now. Just on that data, uh, and, and I think it's an important point, is when I, when I was at Deloitte Digital, this is the, these are the kind of solutions that we were trying to build. Well, certainly I was trying to pioneer in the organization because yeah. you, know, you know the data becomes the, the absolute be-all be and end-all of everything. And I, I, I've just opened up a, a, a web page here that shows uh, Facebook's 10-year strategy. And, and I, I'm, I'm going to be really interested to hear your thoughts about this because we're looking at APIs, we're looking at live bots, we're looking at um, camera, 
which is really talking to the world of augmented reality. Uh, and in fact, by the time we get to 10 years, I think artificial intelligence will be kind of a commonplace. It won't even be this buzzword that we quite excitedly talk about on the show. Um, and, and it'll be deeper psychographic profiling, more down to need states, you know, beyond the idea of behavior. Yep. What, what, what is your, your sense of, of the role of technology going forward on the full media mix and, and how do clients need to adapt to this world? And so, it's a big question because there's a lot in yeah, that. Yeah, that's mm. cool. So what technology is doing now is it's, it's learning. Um, the, the algorithms are helping us make sense of the data and it's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and it's all, it's the three V's, velocity, volume and variety. It's all coming in. But the real. Virginity. And virginity. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry. Just not, no, that's okay. Gotta spice it up. You, you're you're uh, like the 45 year old virgin over there, but It's gotta play some part. Yeah. <laughs> you said I'm the 45 year old virgin. I'm 42. Oh, jeez. Well, and I have no hair on my nipples, by the way. <laughs> and, two, and two children, so go for that one. <laughs> you, you can buy anything on Amazon these days. <laughs> you can even buy it back. Um, so um, so what, happens when, what happens when technology starts to learn how to anticipate? That's the next phase. Right yeah. now, it's learning and collecting. When it starts to anticipate, that's a real game changer. Now, we talk about VPAs, virtual personal assistants, being... Almost the, the first, um, our first, uh, uh, sort of exposure to this anticipation phase of technology. So think about it this way. I mean, in, in 2035, you know, you, you've been, you've been injected by, you know, 10,000 nanobots in your bloodstream, measuring everything from zinc levels to iron yeah. levels to all of this. Anything that's a screen can transmit an image onto it. So now your nanobots, while you're brushing your teeth, are telling you your zinc levels are low. You're probably going to get a bit sick. Maybe take the supplement. You're like, great. And this is all being fed to you by your VPA, which is not going to be a phone. It's probably going to be an implant in your ear. Mm. In your ear. In your ear. <laughs> it's my wife whispering you, into my yeah, ear. In your ear. Okay. Then you, yeah, yeah. in your ear, yeah. yeah. Uh, then, then you, just before you go outside, it says, you know, your VPA Siri says, when uh, weather's going to change a bit later, take a coat. Your zinc level, levels are low. You, so now it's anticipating take your… Take a banana. Yeah, now it's in anticipating all of your uh, your your body, um, your physiology, basically, and and enhancing how efficient you're going to be that day. So technology now is learning, and it's going to start anticipating. So that's the most extreme version of that. Yeah. What's going to happen now is just in your media plans is when you when you're doing your tools, the tool's going to come back to you and say, mm, don't you think TV should be a little bit lower and social should be a bit higher? You know, take the guesswork out of everything. No, but I'd actually I'd like to understand the, the 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 consumer's engagement with media, because the the interface of media is going to be very different, as you said. So I mean, we're getting all this predictive information that's channeling us and creating this bubble of data around just us. How do you see that same kind of well-refined media injection actually working in the physical world? Well, um, the thing is, I mean, we'll have. We'll know where they're going, so the behavior side of it is the most mm. important bit. So we'll be able to put the right stuff in front of them, but we'll also be able to change creative messaging in real time. We'll also be able to construct it. Mm. I mean, I don't know if you know, but a, an algorithm has written a couple of poems which have been mm. judged by poem judges. Yeah. <laughs> it's written its own code, it's which is its getting code. a bit scary, right? which okay. is terrifying. Correct. Yeah. I mean, there's RBM Watson, there's all of those yeah. things. Well, we had – Gareth last week was saying at South by Southwest they had the two AIs. They had Alexa and um, – uh, Google Assistant, Home. Mm. Google Home, yeah, and they, were, they literally had a four-day conversation with contextual relevance, <laughs> like nonstop, 
Pretty cool, man. And I was like, that's freaking me out. Yeah, I, 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 get him I, I, on the show. T- talk, talking about contextual relevance, uh, I, don't know if you guys saw, I don't know if you guys saw that ad by uh, McDonald's with Google that uh-huh. Google got so upset about. Didn't you guys see this? Uh-huh. So what they did is they got a guy up. I'm not a McDonald's eater, Mike. No, 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 no but, 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 but it kind of hit, the, hit the, the headlines, man. So the guy gets up and he, he, he kind of talks about the burger and he says, well, I don't have time, so ask Google now. And automatically, everyone who's playing it, their little Google Echo, whatever it is, immediately responds and starts explaining what the what the burger was about. I'll, I'll find it and I'll share. It was, so it was brilliant. It was absolutely so they got their, their their home automation assistants to actually start yeah. carrying on the engagement yes. after the advertising <laughs> finished. Yeah. So so you got like a ten second clip, and and then Google now or the Google, what's it Google Echo. Yeah, start starts, you know, goes well, to the Wikipedia. That's better page. than the Xbox One voice activated uh, demonstration where the guy on had all these people with their Xbox Ones and they were doing the, the launch and saying, Well this is great and it's voice activated and if you tell Xbox One, turn off and then everybody else is at home, all their devices turned off and they stop watching the show. <laughs> turn it all back <laughs> yeah. on again. So, yeah, there's, so there's pros and cons to all of this automation and but but on, on, on that point, so you asked about targeting and, and your media world. There's something, speaking of echoes, something mm. called an <laughs> echo chamber where you, will, you, will, you won't go outside of your, of your little world. Yeah, that's what, yeah. So you will keep being sent the mm. same stuff. And, and it takes away like – what makes humans human is we have – the only thing that computers can't understand is randomness. We are mm. random. That's what makes humans humans. So Especially. the philosopher inside me is jumping up and down saying, what happens to explore, exploration? What happens Correct. to us when we want to explore? So the echo chamber is the most dangerous thing because if you build your agency around measuring only behavior and not try and break consumers out of that into new experiences, you will literally just be stuck. And yes. you will, your sales will start off really well and then they will just drop because they'll be exhausted by the end of it. So if that's true, on a societal level, like looking forward and getting really philosophical, philosophical, philosophical. Uh, you should be able to say that. Mm, I should be able to. I just, I just spread them. I don't have to talk about them. Um, but <laughs> still talking philosophy. The idea of this, uh, divergent, uh, in the movie series, this series where everybody's a different type of person and we all live in our different communities because you are, you're a lawyer and you're a, you know, a yeah. natural grower, um, sustainable growth farmer. Um, how does talking that, about my like, weight. Media has a huge part to play, not just in how we consume brands and products and services, but also how society starts to be reflected. Yeah, so we we actually need consumers to – we need to get them into new experiences. That is really going to be what an agency does well. Yeah. Um, You know, it's going to be all about penetration. That's going to be your number one objective, brand penetration into that audience. And you're going to have – you can only do it with experience. But going on to the divergence point, (laughs) there's a real – Folks got hung up on the word penetration. Sorry, it's been a while. I think they went on holiday with each other and they left their wives behind. It sounds like it. Um, so we'll shut them off for now. Karen, wait. Lucky I didn't say frequency of consumption. <laughs> um, so, so the the big thing though with uh, with all of this is, you know, I spoke about it being able to inject nanobots into your bloodstream. Yes. So by 2035, 2040, you will be able to increase the capacity of your brain using – you'll be able to store neural pathways in machines yes. in your brain. Yeah. So practical example, walking down the street, I see Mike walking towards me and I forget who he is. I do a quick image, image search with yeah. my mind and a cognitive Google Jeez, search. I need that right cognitive recognition, yeah. yeah. And it tells me everything about it. Go, oh, cool. How's it going? And we catch up quickly. That's cool. But the big problem is actually an economic one. The, yeah. the the rich 
are going to effectively be able to buy more smart. storage and be smarter than than the poor. So I think Elysium, that movie, yes, yeah. Yeah, Matt Damon movie, real real uh, possibility. Think about the Gini coefficient being at I think eight or nine at the worst, or whatever it is. You know, getting into triple figures now because the gap between rich and poor will be so so big, and also smart cities. Dubai already also do it to some degree where they yeah. they put all the media agencies in one part yes. of the city, all part the tech city. agency yeah. in media city. They've got IT city. They've got all the construction companies are all in one part of the city. So smart cities will be broken up like the double. But they've example. made them connected really easy. They so have to get to each one of them. But the problem is what they're doing is they're creating echo chambers. Yes. And the echo chambers will make us very vanilla within that thing. If everybody's and special, no one is. Correct. And are we going to stop being random, which takes away our ability to be human? So that's the point is what brands will do yeah. to crack that and break that mm. is will be this whole anti-establishment thing away from echo chambers, away from the mass, uh, the rich and poor. Get people into experiences. Okay. So let's say it doesn't go that way. What's the silver lining? What's Where do we go from – well, the silver lining is I'll be dead. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> awesome. Um, <laughs> the future of life is death. Awesome. Well, here's the thing. Thanks for I, making it real, Wayne. That's really cool. I don't know if you do this, but I do this. I mean, uh, uh, is it um, Spree or uh, um, Zando? Zando's really, really good at it. They retarget you all the time yeah. now. Mm-hmm. They're really good. And uh, some of the other... One day only as well. One day only. Quite a bit. They're really good. But I've, I've worked them out. So if I want a, a shirt or a pair of shoes or whatever, I put them in my cart and I leave it for two weeks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <It's laughs> yeah. But I do the same. Oh, I must tell my I wife. do that with my shoes. These ones specifically. Because yeah, they so have so, such a variety. If you just leave them in your cart, they'll say, so you haven't bought this in a while. Here, here it is at 20% 100%. off. So, so what we're doing Doesn't is. Doesn't I give those to you for free? <laughs> no. These were a joke from my, from I, I my, wouldn't have paid for from them. my brother. Oh, I wouldn't have my, paid for them either. Red tartan pumas. Come on, guys. <laughs> but it's, it's happening. I do it on Facebook as well. I'm, I'm like, I'll, I've liked the page of the, you know, Orange Growers Association of like Santa Monica. I'm like yes. a fan of their page. And Google Because they bring no out a really nice calendar every year. Well, Google has no idea who I am sometimes. So when they do their interest targeting, I'm getting all this pharma stuff. I'm like, <laughs> I'll never click on that. You know what I mean? So what we're doing is the privacy thing. Yes, they know yeah. a lot of, about us, but we're random and we're human. So what we're going to do is we're going to learn how to adapt around all of this. Yeah. So privacy is a massive issue. We haven't got adequate legislation in place, but consumers are smart. And we will learn mm. to adapt ourselves around this like we're doing with Zando and the Orange Growers Association yeah. of uh, Santa so Monica. Just keep it random every now and again. Like literally, squirrels rock. Go find something <laughs> random and just start liking it and throw Google also, off the scent. Ch- check into check into places around the world just randomly and watch them start sending you specials <laughs> for restaurants in those areas. It's fantastic. It's also quite no. quite quite funny. No, it's quite scary actually. I'd mm. actually love to get your view on uh, the big media companies making a ton of money out of free data. Yeah, and like I really see that as a shifting point that um, they they're living on a short profit margin. I think that's going to change agree. in the future. I, I quite agree. And like uh, some of the views we've spoken about before around universal basic income could be media companies paying you for your data. Mm. Well, certainly the blockchain will enable the blockchain this. enabling this. What is your view on this free data, and therefore we can advertise whatever we want to you because you use a free tool? Yeah, I think, like I said, I think consumers will move against it eventually. Mm. Um, like we spoke about now, about, you know, just, just, you know, signing up to random pages. 
we will start uh, we'll start ignoring that advertising if it's too that the biggest thing is relevance and the problem is that these guys because they've got so much data they will just push the stuff in front of you and you know you will start to pull back if you think about um i think users under 18 or under 20 on facebook i think are the the most diminishing hmm. segment Interesting. Because they're so, they're so yeah, sick they're of all the rubbish. So they will get harder to reach and yeah. you will, you will only be able to go after millennials now on experiences alone. Yeah. Uh, alone. Age of experience. So yeah. Yeah. Wrong. Yeah. Um, but you'll be able to target based on behavior. So you'll stop doing demographic and you'll have someone in a millennial mindset that you have to target with an experience. Um, I think what's going to happen is, is consumers will slowly start pulling away from the, from the stuff that they think is unfair. Um, and of course, you know, millennials and, and iGens, they, they like uh, going against the status quo. Mm. So if Google's the biggest, they don't like being with Google. Just Snapchat, be, just let's because. Go. So that's why you get Snapchat mm. and, um, even Instagram. Instagram, you know, bought a few years ago, but I guess as kids, even when we were kids a very long time ago, we did the same thing. Yeah, when I stopped climbing the blue gum tree, I went and jumped in some other tree. <laughs> yeah. yeah, when you found out the other kids were in it as well. Yeah. 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 But so if, if they're tracking behavior and, and experiences, it makes it very kind of mercurial to, to figure out. Um, the big thing then from a brand perspective or a platform perspective will be making sure that the supply will meet the demand at any given time. So following the trends as best as possible. So not just talking about it, but actually paying attention to what the talk is doing. Look, that's, that's only one ac- aspect. Without a DMP, you will not be able to get a, a true picture. Uh, so if there's no a, finger on the pulse at all. No, if you if you're a client now, you need to be looking at your agent saying, "Do you have DMP uh, capability? If not, and is the client willing to participate in sharing that data? Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we're, we're a bank, and we're sitting there going, "Yeah." So you know what? Want it on our systems? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, the banks are the best because they've got so much stuff, and they have no so idea much. how to. How so to, much. how to look at it and how to cut it up. So big opportunity for an agency with the DMP is to go in there and say, right, we need this stuff. Uh, we'll sign all the NDAs you want us mm-hmm. to sign. Um, we're your partner. He has a three year contract with us or whatever it is. And, uh, and like I said in the beginning, it, it generates insights on the one side and activate, activates your media plans on the other. So we're talking about really a uh, futuristic mm-hmm. view on media. And I was reading that over the next 20, 30 years, um, the population uh, or where the growth will reside, and this is according to WEF, um, is in emerging market urban growing areas. Johannesburg. Yep. So take Africa. Yep, that's right. All your major cities. Take China, take uh, uh, India. But that's a poor base entering the urban world. Are we not going to see just traditional media still existing for a very, very, very long time? Absolutely, because, I mean, uh, you you pick up a lot. It's called incidental exposure. Mm. You pick up a lot in your peripheral vision. That's why Coca-Cola still has billboards. It still mm. does TV ads. It's that incidental exposure is so yeah. important, and they've measured this over years and years and years. There was a great study where they filled a magazine um, with some fake ads. They just made up. 10 ads and then they filled another magazine with um uh so so ads on the right hand side and ads on the left hand side and then they asked people which ads do you look at and everyone said we look at ads on the right hand side not the left because where i'm going but when they asked them 
They said, which ads do you like? And they still had a favorable disposition towards brands on the left because their peripheral vision had picked them up. Hmm. Oh, wow. So incidental exposure is massive. And we spoke mm. earlier about GDN, and, and it actually has an effect mm. on your search your search yeah. KPIs. It's because it's all incidental. It's building salience, and you're building some kind of neural network about that brand through all your micro exposures to it. Sure. Well, we've come to the very end, not even the skinny end, the very end of the show today. And uh, if you have been listening, it's been, we've been talking about the future of media with Wayne Bishop um, from PhD Media. And it's been a fantastic uh, show. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, man. It was good. And um, I think we're definitely going to have to have you back because uh, we want to ch- chat about virtual reality. Where is it going? Augmented reality. What's the difference? Is it still going to, is it a fad? There's a lot of things we want to chat to you about, uh, but if you're happy to come back, we'd love to have you back. I'll be back. And uh, if you missed uh, the beginning of the show, you can catch the podcast. Don't worry. You can check it out. We also have a new uh, at handle on Twitter. It's the at, Futurolo- at the Futurology Show. And, uh, Futurology Show. At Futurology. It's that new. I haven't even got that for me. I just, I just retweeted all the time. At Show Futurology. At, at Futurology Show. Rology Future Show. Yes. Okay, no, 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 I'm confused. <laughs> we'll get a media strategy around it and then everybody will know about it. Yeah. But yeah, if you haven't caught it, it's cliffcentral.com, the Futurology Show, the podcasts are everywhere. Try listen into them. And uh, yeah, in the future, there will be more shows. But thanks, guys, for having you back. Brett Sinclair? Absolute pleasure. Great Mike back. Lovely to be back. Thank you. And, and once, Wayne, thank you. Once thank again, you. Mike. Uh, Wayne, thanks so much. Cheers. Cliffcentral.com.